Hello, welcome to episode 76 of the Therapy Tales podcast with me, Dawn Walton, the human therapist. And me, Jessica Broggs, your dog coach. Dog coach today. Cool. All right then. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, but we're doing it at Starbucks, so it's probably not professional. So um, apologies for the shortness of this one, but we just started talking and we went, we have to talk on podcast, otherwise we're going to forget what we're talking about. And Don has to go. And I have to go. And Jess is going to give me a hard time about the fact that I have to go now, but that's fine. Um, so we're here with Percival, who is, I haven't seen for, so when was Devon? Like early September? <laughs> And we're now end of October, so... Two months. Yeah, yeah, nearly two months. So I saw Percival... I haven't had him for two months, have I? You must have just seen him when you just got him. Yeah, yeah, it was. It literally, it was the first week you got him was the last time I saw him. We had him on the residential, and then we went to Devon with him. I saw him in Devon. A couple of weeks. And then um, I haven't seen him since Devon. So. Four months, four months. He's bigger. Anyway, he's bigger, but what's really interesting is he's, like, really chill. Um, at the moment he's wanting food and stuff but we just went up to get coffee and um, he just didn't like whine or look after you or anything he just lay down when people walk past him he goes oh there's a person walking past and then carries on lying down which I'm like super impressed by and he, he's not anxious or on edge or jumpy um, at the moment he's wanting food so he's being a bit more demanding but he just lay there he just lay and had a wash and kind of dealt with the world and I'm, I'm like Fold away by how chill he is as a Marley puppy because he was very different when I saw him last. He was feisty. He was feisty. And I know he is, he has his moments where he's feisty, but I just think that nobody knows that you can necessarily get this with a puppy. I think we make exceptions for them. They're a puppy, they can't help themselves, they can't, you know, they're going to be chasing after everything, especially this breed, right? So just lay down there with his uh, Puppuccino empty cup and just and I'm enjoying watching him because I'm not seeing kind of stress in his body I'm not seeing an alertness to noises we've got a table with kids on it behind us and he's just fairly indifferent to that but he's not indifferent in a really squished oi don't move don't look don't anything he's not being controlled or micromanaged well, I haven't given him a single command since I've come in here, have I? You haven't. I've not seen you give him, and you've not been yanking on his lead or dragging it. His lead's been loose. So, um... So what's that about, Jess? Oh, <laughs> dog behaviour coach? So the interesting thing for me is that I think this is a suppressed state for him um, because he has been pretty feisty. So I've been doing a lot of... Um, don't do that, don't do that, do this. I'm not really training as such, but it is, but it's not the conventional training. I haven't done a lot. In fact, recently I was trying to get him to do it down, and I was like, oh, we've kind of missed that window. He's not really, you know, for however old he is, 14 weeks, he's not really doing it down as much as my previous puppies would have. But so you've not been doing all the obedience work. It's not important, is it? No. What's important is that he's sane. Yeah. <laughs> and he's able to carry himself in public without the instruction. So we're in a very busy Starbucks. As I say, we have a table with two kids behind. They've moved now, just as we set up our podcast. God damn it. <laughs> our table. <laughs> our table. It should be reserved. Um, and he's not having to be constantly corrected. He's not. You're not having to drag his attention on you all the time. And as I say, the thing that impressed me is I've been here with quite a few people and their dogs and seen them go up to the counter and I've seen the way their dog responded. Usually they'll hand the dog over to somebody and say, take the lead. And the dog's like, where'd they go? Where'd they go? And he wasn't doing that. 
Yeah, so, um, well, it helps to think that he's been between me and Willow. Um, we've been sharing custody of him. Okay. He's got two parents. Um, and I've kind, of, I've kind of been the. <laughs> I've been two female parents. I've been the. Um, <laughs> You've got two mums, first of all. Um, Willow's. Um, not seen him for a few weeks because I was away and I'd been the disciplinarian I think uh, so I was looking after a piece of pup with him and the two of them just made each other absolutely wild a little hard week I didn't really see anybody because um, I was away in the middle of nowhere and so it was just downtime and play downtime and play but he really detached from me because it, it was I'm not as much fun as playing with the weasel puppy right yep so um, then when I started taking him out on his own and, and doing more work in public he was barking his head off at people like and I, like seriously concerned barking his head off and of course people think it's hilarious because it's tiny yeah I don't think it's hilarious no and so one of the things I've been thinking about is social skills. Now, he is probably one of the most socialised puppies in the country because I run the educational walks every day. When he arrived, we were in the middle of residential, so, you know, there was, I mean... Straight in with... Yeah, seriously, about 30 people he's meeting every day who are all about him. Um, and with, with like really organically, so they're all just there. It's not people he's walking past, it's people that are, you know, Yep. Um, wanting to say hi to him. So, loads of dogs, loads of people, and yet he's still developed after a month of intense socialising, barking at strangers. Right. That shouldn't happen. No. Science tells us you socialise the dog, the dog doesn't bark. He's like going to be friendly, right? So, the science is wrong in that department. Um, I've seen this happen over and over again. I, you know, people are saying to me, maybe I socialised the dog wrong. Well, actually, it's not really about socialising, is it? We can, it's half the equation. It's also um, an assumption that it's cumulative, straight line, cumulative, right? So you build and you build and you build and you build and you're consistent. If you skip a step, then you might have missed your chance or whatever. But as long as you do that consistently, then you'll end up with the end result that is a consistent end result. And what we know is hormones and growth and brain development and all that sort of stuff in the same way as it is with kids means that lessons that they might have been fine with as a puppy or a young puppy go out the window as they get older and they start working out who they are and challenging things and and you have to know what to do when they don't follow and they don't behave at that point right well yeah my thoughts were going to innate behaviors right so we've got a belgian shepherd that's been specially bred to be on guard anxious um defensive of its owner defensive of its territory potentially aggressive to to intruders um, so you're going to be battling with innate desires of the breed as well as all the stuff that you're working on you're gonna to have to at some point say i don't want that and i think it's interesting because one of the things i talk to clients a lot about at the moment is how each species has something that's critical to survival when they're born and it's really unique to the species so a herd animal like a horse when a foal is born it must be able to get on four legs and run straight away to survive that's the critical the first critical thing for survival is being able to run with a herd a dog which is a predator a puppy cannot act like a predator when it's born because that's not going to help it survive because it's not big and tough and strong enough so a puppy will innately be more likely to run away more likely to cower and hide behind its mother because it doesn't it's not good for survival to be full predator but as it gets old enough it's going to start putting into place full predator and and you know as an interesting um, point the human baby can't even sit up for eight months right so what's critical for a human is that your respective parents 
looks after you. Whoever is responsible for caring you must love you and care for you because that's critical for survival. You've just given me an epiphany there. Um, the puppies that I've raised tend to act that innate behaviour earlier, mm -hmm. but that makes sense because they're allowed to practice it through play earlier. So most puppies don't get out till 14, 16 weeks to have all the yes. socialising with other dogs. Yeah. My puppies are getting so many dogs to wrestle with and learn about themselves with. So of course that would mean that we're fast forwarding to innate behaviours of I'm a dog, I'm going to put my practice into real life. Yep. So he's going, I'm going to bark at these strangers at you know, 12, 13 weeks old because I'm a big tough guy yeah and that's because he's had lots of chances to practice who he is with yep. other dogs yeah so he's starting his his innate behaviors are coming to light earlier whereas what happens with regular folk and regular dogs is um, they go through their puppy stage which is their innate behavior is to <laughs> avoid run away stay close to mum and it's when their brain develops enough that they now are starting to be responsible for themselves that their innate predator behavior becomes stronger and it catches i think people by surprise because they think the obedience work they do in the early days will stop anything like that happening but it won't because it's just brain development so you have to know what to do when as opposed to assume that you're not going to get any of that I guess it's going to happen with children as well. You've got a really well-behaved child that you've um, had to boarding school and it's been um, whipped mentally into an inch of its life and then suddenly hormones hit and you're going to go, well, I've got all that training and all that conditioning. It won't, it won't you know, change. But the hormones are going to make it do all sorts of crazy shit. Well, the, the first thing that's interesting is when the grey matter develops... Uh, um, <laughs> Jess just looked at Willow then and I'm like... All sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the grey matter part of the brain develops at about eight or nine years old as the body changes for puberty and the grey matter allows you to have this sense of self who you are compared to other people right so almost overnight there's a switch in your brain where you go from absolutely you know I'd, I'd ask you to go up to the counter in Starbucks and, and get me a puppuccino and at one age the kid would go yeah yeah fine no problems and they'd go and do it and literally the next day because their brain changed they'd go oh no I can't do that they're going to think this about me and you'd go what's, what's happened you'd assume something's happened uh, that makes them now scared of people where they used to be really confident but all that's happened is their brain's changed so we might assume that something happened to make him start barking at people, you know, and we might then, as humans, attribute it to pattern matching. All right, it must have been that time in the park where that guy shouted at me and he thought um, that the guy was having a go at me. So ever since that time in the park where the guy shouted at me, my dog's barked at people when he goes past them. And we misattribute. We, it's that kind of difference between cause and effect, right? It's like... Well, I've been having a thought about this recently because I, I spoke to a fantastic vet um, who put this idea in my head that we have um, the, the Freudian situation which is this one time this thing happened and then we also have the um, the innate problem so that the it's, it's the, the way it wires nobody goes maybe it's something to do with me in the upbringing um, and I'm not panicking about that. I'm going, okay, he's a Belgian shepherd, he's doing this, I need to be more matriarch, I need to put the, the rules and boundaries in place to show him what's expected. And also in the, in the 
foundation out with the real life situation. So a real life situation is I'm walking in the woods and this cyclist is going to pass me and all my dogs know to pull into the side. Puppy doesn't know that. Puppy goes, I'm going to bark my freaking head off because this thing is biking towards me. Yeah. Um, so before that situation, that's a real life situation, before that I practice going into the site and rewarding him. Um, just by chucking some food to the side, waiting for a few minutes or you know, 30 seconds and then walking on again. So I practice that. So when I need to use it, I've got it trained. What's that word? Trained. So I can use that, pull that out of the hat in a real life situation. So that's the first part. The second part is I need to be able to do something to make sure he understands that that barking is absolutely not warranted. Yep. And um, I've... I've uh, egotistically, I started going, I'm not going to use an e-collar. I proved everybody I didn't need to use an e-collar. So I didn't. Um, but I actually found myself having to run up to him and, right. and be more, um, you know, catching him. And, and he started to run away from me because I just had to stop him. Yeah. Right? And I'm thinking, right, okay, what would, what would the four free people say to me? Long line, food, and so on. But then I have to pull on his neck or his body, and I don't yeah. want to do that because I'm super obsessed with having, you know, a, a dog grow without that, that restraint. So I was like, actually, the e-collar would be really nice and clean because I could just vibrate and show him, excuse me, remember me? Um, so I've just been working on that this week. Um, vibrate, reward, vibrate, reward. And he's going, oh yeah, cool. So it just snaps him out of whatever mode he's in. It's so clean, he's not frightened of me. And he was developing this kind of, oh, do I need to run away from her? Yeah. And I was like, I really don't want to get to that place. It doesn't, the, the really annoying thing is it doesn't take much to create a negative pattern. You know, to you know, one shout can make some a child or an animal kind of go. Okay, next time, I will avoid you if you do this. So um, it's like uh, Tuesday when you try and put uh, anybody tries to put a lead on her. It's quite fun for us to watch because she just ducks, right? She just goes, what? No, what? No. And and you know how to get a lead on her, and you'll you'll tell them, and it'll be fine. But she knows, she's learned that that's what she does. So they're not stupid; they'll avoid. And they'll they'll work it out, and um, the consequences with a dog versus a, a kid are, are quite severe, really. But in the same way, as you wouldn't let a kid run into the road, right? But you're not going to put a kid on a harness for its whole life to but stop it running into the road. Innate behaviour isn't to run towards traffic. No. So um, when it's something that's really and like, of course, but it is to put stuff in its mouth. <laughs> it is. They put anything in the mouth. So um, we've got panic as well, right? Because I'm not panicking. I, I feel like a good matriarch or a good leader would have confidence to not panic and, and be cool about the situation because they've got a plan A through Z. If plan A isn't working, I'll do a plan B. Yeah. But um, it's severe, right? So if you used to piss people off, they'd call me and I'd say, what's your dog's age? And they'd say, German Shepherd six months and I'd go oh I know what your problem is right and I'd be like well how do you know because I have patterns all the time of six seven old German shepherds calling me with barking yep. and lunging yep so this is an innate behavior that's going to happen yep I know it's going to happen but I also do not want that to develop into eight months old people frightened of this eight month old dog who looks like a dog he's bigger than a spaniel just now yep so he's lost his puppy license that's gone He's still very cute to me, he's still very cute to be able to know him, but to strangers, he's enough. 
And what's interesting is um, I've seen some discussions about, well, if you just ignore it and don't make a big fuss about it, they'll stop doing it. And maybe that's the force free <laughs> thing, right? But yeah, I know <laughs> it's crazy because it's, it's an, if it's an innate behavior, they're not, and like all behavior serves purpose, right? If they're getting something from it, they're going to continue to do it, whether it's endorphins or whether it's the end results. So, That's what I'm particularly aware of now, that the more chances that he gets to practice barking at strangers, the more dopamine he's being released, because from innate behaviours he's going to get lots of Yeah, yeah, and endorphins, So I yeah. want to make sure that um, I'm able to stop him, but that's futile if I stop him forever. What I need to do is catch him so he's wanting to do something else. Exactly. I'm thinking about something else before. So the training is the stuff that I do to beforehand yeah. to use it as people are passing me. But it doesn't negate the fact that when people are passing me, I still need to find a way to stop the dog from doing yeah. a threatening behaviour towards people. So I feel like I've done a good job. This week's been much, much better. It's actually been a bit of an angel this week. And I know we're not out of the woods yet. He's still growing. He's still changing. He's still there. But it's not had a chance to grow into fruit yet. we just got a bud, right? Yes. So we've got a wee bud that's kind of sitting there going... Well, that felt good, but I didn't get really a chance to practice a lot of that. Right, okay. It feels better to grab her toy, because her toy is super good. Yeah. And the neat behaviour for grabbing and jumping up and getting the toy is what I'm trying to develop into an addiction. So he goes, people coming, oh my God, if you think about that toy, she's going to rock it. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? So you need to have something of higher value. Or equal value. To the higher or equal value, right? Because they're going to get dopamine for a repeated behavior, but they're also going to get endorphins for um, doing a natural innate behavior. So repetition gives them dopamine, irrespective of what it is. Um, natural innate behavior gives them endorphins. So you need to, if you're going to interrupt an innate behavior, you need to create a new pathway and give them something that gives them endorphins as well, that are equal or bigger. So tell me your thoughts on um, being a matriarch, because this is my, my word I've been using a lot recently. So okay. to describe a, like I asked a few people on pod, not on podcasts, on Zooms, um, what, what do you think about, so I'm going to ask you guys that are listening, what do you think about when you hear the word matriarch? So some people had said to me, think about a nun, which okay. is interesting, I know, religious. Um, I think about a Native American Indian, or nations right, people, okay. like the old, um, sitting in the tent with all the... Seeing a tent with smoke stuff. Smoke stuff coming up, burning the sage, and okay. um, sitting in the little oracle. The or that's a good word. Oracle knows everything. Okay. Yeah. Someone said to me, um, an elephant, the okay. leader of the herd. Uh huh. That would so be a get, classic description. Well, yeah, that's a matriarchal. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, which is interesting because um, cows have a nanny system where one cow will, will run a nursery for all the calves, but it's not quite the same as an elephant's hierarchy, where they're responsible for it. They're just kind of babysitting as cows rather than elephants, which are looking after them and teaching them and taking them under their wing. Or okay. it's, quite, it's similar, but not the same, which is quite interesting. But elephants, I think, are a good model of matriarchy. So for me... Um, in my family, there was a woman who was um, my, my granddad's sister's daughter. Um, and um, she was the matriarch of the family. So she knew everybody's linkages. Um, she knew who everybody was related to. She, was, she actually ran a, a private school, so she was very knowledgeable. 
she kept the communications up, she was problem solving. If you had a problem, you'd go to her. Incense. That's the word I was <laughs> Wise woman. Wise woman. That's what Wise woman who is the head of the family, who can be trusted for giving advice and um, decision making. Decision making, yeah. Which uh, we talked about this because I think most people, if you say the word matriarch, will have some kind of positive association with the word. You know, some words have no meaning inherently in them, it's just your associations, but some we words I think have meaning, so like patriarchy has probably a negative association for and most why? people. why? Why is that? I think it, it makes you think of dominant males. Power. Uh, yeah, power. And maybe for females and males it would be a different association, to be honest with you, um, for patriarchy, but maybe not for matriarchy because quite often sons stay close to their mother a lot longer than they stay close to their father. You know, it's it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, I think. And it's interesting to then cross it over into leadership because there's many books written about leadership and management. And, you know, you go into the business world and that's what it's all about. And examples of good leaders and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think any of them would, would introduce the word matriarchy into that discussion. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And yet it's quite inclusive though, isn't it? You know, mother encompasses everything. It's the reason why we call it Mother Air. It's nurturing. There's, it's less authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think um, one of the themes that comes out of all of this is this difference between obedience, following the ABCs as I think of it, what do I have to do, you know, the what do I have to do, versus the why am I doing it. Because when you're given a what and it doesn't work, you're left nowhere to turn. Whereas when you're given a why, you can understand what's behind it and you can adapt and change it based on your individual circumstances. So I think the difference between being a behaviorist and being a trainer is the what and the why. You know, it's your, as a behaviorist, you're thinking about where the behavior comes from, why, and you're helping the owners understand why things are doing that. And that's, I'm the same with clients. I need my clients to understand why we're doing what we're doing. I spend a lot of time explaining stuff um, so that they understand when we make changes, why those changes are linked to the problems that they're experiencing in their life. I don't just say, I'm an expert, come here, I'll tell you what you need to do, go away and do it. And, and well, like you said before, people don't learn what you're teaching them. They don't learn what you teach. So you, you assume, and I was listening to your um, webinar yesterday that you did with Jesse. When you were talking about when I first asked you to come on the walks, because I was really struggling to even understand the concepts because they were so obsessed with obedience and not really understanding how it was like, just go for a walk and, you know, but also don't do that, that, and that. And, and they, were, they were struggling with this new concept, which is really basic, but for me. Yes, for <laughs> you. raised their eyebrows at me there. For me, you know, let's just go for a walk. But it, it's become really difficult just to go for a walk. Have really sociable dogs. I think we're too obsessed with control. We are. Right. So um, when well, they... it's brought it home there, right? Because you know, you pointed out that I haven't given him any instruction or commands, and yeah, he's able to come in here and just be settled and, and happy to do stuff. Um, and you've watched other people constantly give commands, constantly pull the dog in. Yeah. He's I'm not even got a lead. He's just hanging there. Right? Yeah. He's, he's just hanging out with us. But I've also noticed through the years that. Um, how I've kept dogs, you know, I, I've, lived, I've lived in a few fields off-grid, they could have easily run away, 
just hung out. Yeah. They hung out. Right, right, right. Oh, it's always been the weirdest thing about you, by the way. It's like the freakiest thing for all of us who come on the walks is a, a, a puppies, and you're just like, put them on the ground, they'll follow. I'm like, but, 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 but the puppy. Somebody needs to watch the puppy. It might... it might run away. It might get whatever, you know. So you're like, yeah, come on, let's just walk. The puppy will follow. And we're like, but, Isn't that the but, most basic of, of ideas with a dog that we didn't go and capture wolves? They decided to hang around our encampments and they grew up alongside us. And it wasn't that we went out of our way like a horse to capture some of them or you will be enslaved by us, but actually that we cooperated together. It's not very cooperative to put a noose around its neck and drag it around and expect it to do all this stuff. No, but we do not work in a cooperative world, so we assume we have to control things. We assume we have to show people, tell people. And yet not in control of ourselves. Well, that's the irony, right? <laughs> no, it's the irony. It's, it's the irony, which is, tell me what I need to do, because I'm used to being told what I have to do. It's all about control. So even people who don't control by yanking the lead, they control by always giving them a treat. You must look at me. You must have a treat. You must you must do what I'm telling you, because if you're not, then anything can happen. And you're always interesting to be around, because you're on such an extreme of that, which is, yeah, they're, they're fine. They'll do whatever they want to do, and they'll be okay. And if they don't, you, you can kind of call them back to you and you have that faith in your relationship with your dog. But nobody else has that. That's just like... Well, also a relationship with dog behaviour, right? So I'm predicting to a certain extent a lot of what's going to happen next so I can help prevent it or shape it or change it yep. without the dog thinking that it's getting restraint on it. Yeah, and that's the important bit. So you've got freedom without that constant niggling. Because if you have somebody who's constantly telling you what to do, you just want to get away from that. Well, and it you? makes you really anxious because you know you're getting in trouble for doing it wrong, right? Because you, you want to do it right, but you don't always understand the rules of what doing it right mean. So you kind of get extra anxious and you're always watching. You don't get to just lie down like Percival's done and just go, okay, people are going past, it's fine, you know, I'm okay. So, um, it means, I'm, though, that you've got this constant battle of wills between dog and dog. It does. And, and you it both want the same thing. You both want to be off lead and enjoying your walk. But instead, you've got two beings on lead fighting each other, getting frustrated, yelling at each other, yelling at other dogs, yelling at other owners. And I like the part on the podcast where Jessie was <laughs> talking about how frustrated she was at other people, other people's dogs went up to hers. Yes. It'd be their fault. Whereas, you see, nowadays, she's forgiving because she's like, it's dog. Yeah, and, and also I've, I've got my dog to a point where you know not, nothing bad's going to happen, even if that dog comes up. What's the worst that's going to happen? So um, she's more forgiving of other owners making mistakes, which is lovely. It's the need that's to control. True force free, it, it is. Well, it's the need to control. I think we all have it. We all believe. So bringing up kids, you're like, I must tell them this. I told them this, and they didn't listen. So it's disrespectful that they didn't hear me when I told them. You know, they have attitude, they're not listening, they're not responding, whereas actually they're just not understanding. And they'll follow rules, but actually I've always focused on helping understand the why behind the rules so they can apply their own brain. So social media is a really good example, right? So um, when my kid was first on social media, we went through the stuff together. We went through the videos, and I'm going, that's probably a 60-year-old man, and why is that video getting so many likes when all she's doing is brushing her hair, and all this sort of stuff. And, and it was just undermining the reality of it, and, and just taking the piss out of it. And, and half the time, I was getting like told off for that, but it was okay, because now, 
my kid, when they look at a social media post, never believes that the person is who they say they are. And, and that is control for me because I can't be with them every moment of every day. I can't control every decision they make and every stupid thing they do. Conditioned her. Yeah. Well, not conditioned. I've, I've, put, I've put boundaries on it so that it makes decision easing use her brain for decision, not mine. So there's a certain level of confidence that's missing from parents and dog owners. That's a loving, and that's just experience, right? Yes. Yeah. But then it takes quite a, a lot to come along and say, I don't have the experience, even though I bought the dog, even though I'm raising the child. I'm not that experienced. I'm now needing help. That's a big one. It is. Also, tell me what I need to do, and you going, can't tell you exactly what you need to do. We need to work with what you've got with your dog and this situation we need to try it out so you've got somebody who's like super anxious who is very worried about they inherently believe they've messed up their dog but they don't want to confess to messing up their dog they want help for their dogs so they're remarkably resilient because they're still trying they don't want to lose face they don't want to lose face so there's this massive heap of emotion whilst at the same time an underlying resilience that says I know I need to change this and I know I need to do something and so they want to be told what to do because they're used to control being the solution to everything and they, they go into this empty space and go oh I don't know and so that journey of understanding so that you can go what will I do if because that's what happens right everybody's like well what should I do if we, we do these residentials and by the end of the week they're like well when I go home and this happens what should I do and what should I do if and what should I do if and we're like we're trying to give you the skills so you can try things out talk to us about it as opposed to have an answer about what you should do if we can't tell you it depends on the situation but everybody needs to know right they need to know for control and to keep your head under stress <laughs> keep you cool which is my first rule be cool be cool yeah. keep your head deal with it think so it's the opposite of reacting is thinking so what I say to people recognising the nature of humans is um, okay let's go for awareness first right I am in this state of course I'm in this state because my dog's doing this and I'm in this new environment and I don't know what's going to happen so of course I feel this way so first thing is absolutely give yourself permission to feel that way now we can do the next thing. Once you've done that, you can go, well, what am I going to do next? So what? What's going to happen next? And then you can get your head back in the game and then work on that. So, so that's what's really important is as well as be cool, if you're not in a state to be cool, give yourself permission to be in your state and then come back out of it again and, and take an action. Just take an action, anything that you need to do. That's your half an hour. That's my half an hour, so good for us. <laughs> Speak to you again soon.